You're with Sean Jung and Where the Veil Grows Thin, an exploration of the sacred moments of our human experience in life and death, joy and sorrow, birth and end of life. It's the unscripted instant when the heart opens, the face-to-face moments with the divine. The first year I worked in hospice, we served a young man dying of cancer. He was the oldest of four children. His funeral was the first I attended as a member of the hospice team. I wrote this the next day. A sleeping bag rolled up smartly and tied with string. A well-worn baseball cap, a fishing pole, and a large color photograph of a young boy smiling. These are the things gracing the altar. And one more. A beautiful rosewood box. Brian. He was a stranger to me. I never met him. I never met anyone in his family. Yet his death has touched me deeply. He was just a few weeks older than my own daughter. He died quickly not of the cancer that was ravishing his young body, but from a blood clot that suddenly took him from his mother's arms. Graciously releasing him from what the hospice nurses had feared would be a long, slow dance with pain, one they feared would be difficult to manage. The church is small, an old chapel in an old town, now the site of honoring the life of a child who will never grow old. Every window in the small church is stained glass. The late afternoon sun that comes in through the west windows is breathtakingly beautiful. Being a little early, I was seated in a pew directly behind the family, with a view of the items on the altar that feels discomforting. It takes a long time to squeeze everyone into the tiny church. I don't realize until after the service why we have to wait so long for things to start. I am unaware of the multitudes who have come to pay homage to this family's loss. For a long time, I sit and gaze at the altar, watching the sunlight give halos to the vases of flowers, the photograph, and the rosewood box. After the service, when the minister finally invites everyone to join them for the reception in the basement, he asks that we leave the church one pew at a time. He instructs us to wait for the young man from the funeral home to indicate that it's our turn to go. This is when I began to understand the delay in getting started. The minister asks that we leave by going to the back of the church and circling around to the front to pass by the family to shake hands and offer encouragement. I have not been to many funerals, but this is not something I have seen. The pew directly behind the family yes, the one in which I sit, is the last pew to be excused. So I sit 
and watched the faces of 300 people who had quietly, almost silently, crammed their bodies into the tiny little chapel. As they passed before the family with tearful embraces, pats on the back, and handshakes. Thankfully, about halfway through, someone brings a tray of water for the family, and that is when I realize the dryness of my own throat. I start to wonder about funeral etiquette. Would it be so awful if I were to cut in line and leave my pew uninvited and quietly help myself to a little blue plastic cup of water? So there I am, waiting, and I start to think, what if that mom, sitting in the pew in front of me, what if that were me? What if it was my daughter, Shelby, who had died? What would I choose to place on an altar to honor who she is as a person? She is just 18. She has just finished high school. She leaves in six weeks for college. She is the common denominator in the lives of her three closest friends. Where would they be today if it was Shelby in the Rosewood box? These questions and more flood my head. What would be said if it was Shelby who had died? She loves ducks. She loves sleep. She loves Nutella, crunchy peanut butter, and lemonade. Would any of this be something that would help people know her? She is strikingly beautiful. She has a glorious smile. I am sure the altar would be graced with pictures of her smiling and laughing. And for music, I would have every sappy country song I could find about children going to God. And I would stand up and speak to who she was and what her life meant to mine. At least, I hope I could do that. I hope I could be her voice, her advocate, the singer of her praises, and her own unique love song. That is when I realize there are tears streaming down my cheeks. That is when I realize what that mom must be feeling. The loss, the anger, the bewilderment. Her grief is private. She will remain connected to her son for eternity. And for the remainder of her life here, in this world, she will carry just his memory and the memory that she once had of how he, by his mere existence, gave her a reason to live, just as my daughter Shelby has for me. <laughs>